You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. We find ourselves this morning in the second week of a new series on the life of Jacob. We're calling it Big Time Faith, Wrestling with Life. You know, because every one of us uh, wrestles with life, and sometimes we get to a point where uh, life throws us into a pile driver, you know, off the ropes, back at us with a Shanghai, a sleeper, and uh, the whippersnapper. And we need to know what to do when life puts the moves on us, and Jacob shows us. And Jacob teaches us that no matter what hold life has you in, there is always God on the mat uh, with you. We find Jacob this morning uh, in the second episode of his life, Wrestling with deception. So I'd invite you to pull out your Bible and open up to our story in Genesis chapter 27 on page 20 of the Pew Bible. I'm actually just going to tell you the story this morning, but we'll read together the first four verses. Genesis 27 verses 1 through 4. If you're able, let's stand together and read this as God's word. And When we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. And if you believe it, you can say thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading God's holy word. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, See, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Then prepare for me savory food, such as I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may bless you before I die. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what we just read never will. Please be seated. Lord Jesus, by your eternal word, Bless us today, not just with words, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, in whom we profess our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. To be a people who pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, to be a people who put the Lord's Prayer at the center of our daily struggle, is to be people who have decided to make it the central struggle of our lives to receive God's blessing. Do you catch that? That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about, is to have made a decision to make it the central struggle of your life simply to receive God's blessing. We, we, when we lift up our voices and say, Our Father, in essence, what we say to God is, God, I understand that I am going to face many struggles and trials. I understand that I'm going to go through joys and pleasures in life. But in the midst of all of those, I have decided that you will be my blessing, that you be the one who makes my life rich. I know that you've created life itself and you've blessed it at the very beginning of all that is. I know that at the beginning of my life, you made me, you formed me in my mother's womb, and you blessed me for a destiny. 
And so I open my hands to you and lift my face heavenward and say, my father. Now, may my life be about the reception of that blessing. Now, when we say our father, don't confuse your earthly parents with your heavenly father. There is an analogy, but so many of us, in fact, all of us have earthly parents uh, who have disappointed us. In fact, we are those same earthly parents, those of us who have children. And, and when we say our father, don't confuse ourselves uh, with the thought that God has some kind of gender. God does not. But, but, but what Jesus teaches us in this majestic prayer we so often utter without much consideration is the idea that God is able to and willing to and eager to pour out a blessing in the same way that a patriarchal father poured out a blessing on his family. And as we read the book of Genesis, we see a series of benedictions that are offered that they're not just mere words. They come with power. They dictate the future. They're, they're precious. They are the very words of destiny and of life itself. And so Jesus says, lift up your face and say, our Father, for he wants to bless you even this morning. But oftentimes we wouldn't know that. Because oftentimes you and I are so filled with wrestling with deception. And that's exactly what Jacob is doing in this story today. You read the first four verses. You might like to keep the text open as we move through the remainder of the story. But his life now continues in this second episode behind closed doors, so to speak. Tent flaps. He, he's, he's hiding and you see, this is what we see is that deception always requires us to hide from other people. And so Jacob, um, this Jacob's story begins with uh, Isaac and Esau hiding from other people. They're embarking on what could only be described as a conspiracy, father and son. Remember, Isaac is Jacob's father and Esau is his twin brother. And now Isaac... And Esau hatch a plan. It's a conspiracy, I say, but it's not like a normal conspiracy, or maybe it is. But when you and I think of conspiracy, we oftentimes think of something that foments revolution. A conspiracy to bring about a new order of things, a new way of being, change, a better way of life. And yet... This is a sad kind of a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy of the status quo because this father and this son have gone into closed doors in order to conspire together to maintain that which is, to keep things just exactly the same. You see, Isaac, we get a sense of him as rather passive in life. The one distinguishing feature is that He's never found Israelite cuisine very satisfying, you know, goats and sheep out of the flock. No, he's got a taste for high culture. He's satisfied with nothing less than venison, the fine meats of the field. And as it happens, he has a son with a gift, a bow, and uh, brings back this, just this kind of wild game. And so he bends himself to uh, accommodate this young man. Because it suits his appetite. And Esau, the young man, why, he's 
uh, described rather impulsively. He doesn't have a plan for his life, but he knows what he wants when he sees it, and he goes after it. He seizes on it, and he has seized on a wife. No, he has seized on two wives. He's a bigamist, and uh, he's actually seized on Hittite wives, who are wives outside of this promised family that God wants to bless. And never mind, Esau has, uh, uh, Isaac has looked the other way. And those, therefore, these two men are sort of complicit in the status quo. They're, they've got a, a homeostasis, a, a symbiosis that's favorable, and, and they kind of like the way life is working for them. And yet there are these strange murmurings that have from time to time flitted about their lives, rumors of a broader blessing, a greater blessing. For Isaac might remember sitting on his father's knee, sitting by his side across table and hearing again and again the story of a God who said, I will bless this whole planet. No, I will not just bless the family line. I will bless all of the nations of the earth. It's a blessing that will overturn the order of this world, that will take out of power the power structures that hold in place its injustice. And these two are not so sure that they favor just such an indiscriminate and broad blessing. Uh, so as... Isaac thinks he comes to the end of his age. He's old. He determines to dispatch his duty as a patriarchal father to bless his son. But he will do it in his way. He will do it safely. Change is hard for all of us. Even change that is good. Even change that we pray for and welcome. Sometimes when it knocks at the door, we realize, you know what? The devil I know is better than the one that I don't. And I would just as soon live with the world as flawed as it is that I've learned how to cope with. And I'm not sure I'm ready for blessing. So Isaac offers a blessing to his son Esau, one in which he stands to lose as little as possible. He's got a conspiracy, a plan. He says, my son, go out to the field Go get me a deer. We'll have a blessing meal. I'll come back. I'll lay my hands on your head and I will give you your future. But as it happens, these two men are not alone. No, as it happens through the canvas, there are prying ears. A woman named Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, now old herself. She hears this Conspiracy, and she thinks to herself, I will have a conspiracy of my own. I have a plan, and her plan involves the son that she loves, the other twin, Jacob. And she says, Jacob, you must go to your father quickly and say, my father. You must seek him for Esau's blessing. Let's quick grab a couple of kids, maybe some uh, twin goats. Let's kill them, and let's dress them up. And you bring them to your father. You see, deception always requires us not only to hide from others, but deception always also requires us to hide from ourselves as well. Because Jacob is a smart man. He knows, while yes, I am entitled to come into that tent right now and address my aged and infirmed father whose faculties are declining and, 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 and call him my father. 
There's no crime in that, for I am also his son. And, you know, he's learned a bit of cooking skill from his mother. He knows that with the proper seasoning and culinary skill, you can take a couple of goats and dress them up so that they taste like game. But Jacob is smart enough to know that this plan will not succeed unless he disguises also himself. He, he, he must cloak his identity. He must trade it for that of his brother Esau. He needs to be Esau in order to receive the blessing. He, he, he dare not receive it as Jacob. He could only receive it as Esau. And so there is in his mother's plan a, a bit of goat skin strapped to the back of his neck, to his arms and hands. There, there is the clothing. She robs the wardrobe of Esau of some fragrant clothes. And, and perhaps... Jacob might say to himself, it's not deception. It's just dressing the part. You know, it's just running with the crowd. It's just good style. It's just putting on the garments that are necessary to get the blessing that I desire to get. Fitting in, blending in, doing what's expected of me to get what I want to get. I wouldn't call it deception. And I think if I get in there quickly and get out, I can make it work without standing to lose very much. And so he invents an identity for himself. And in so doing, he hides himself from himself. Because he, the plan doesn't quite go as he had intended. In, in verse 18, we see this scene. So he went into his father and said, My father, so far so good. But Isaac turns his nearly blind eyes from the pillow and says, Here I am. Who are you? Who are you? The most penetrating, devastating of all questions for Jacob at this moment of peril for him. He didn't know he'd be asked to talk to his father beyond this. He didn't know that his father would start asking him questions. And now he's got to lie. Now he's got to open his voice and we realize one lie is never enough in life. Deception will always multiply into a thick web that ensnares us. He says, I am Esau, your firstborn son. Was not likely your Esau because Esau just left. How is it you've come back in so quickly, Esau? His father challenges Jacob. And Jacob, thinking quickly on his feet, uses the religion card. Isn't it interesting? He says, well... Uh, Father, your God has granted me success, and I'm back so quickly with the game. But it doesn't sound like Esau. In fact, it sounds like Jacob. Come, that I might feel you. And now giving his all in deception to his father, Jacob steps forward and is touched by the hands that brought him forth into life And at this moment, he says, when his father says, are you Esau, for the third time, I am. Three times he lies. Three times he loses himself. This is what will happen to any of us when we invent an identity. When we invent something other than God to describe who we are. Something other than God to bless our lives. 
to give us the kind of joy that we know we're made for, if we turn anywhere else, we will lose sight of who we really are. This is just what the psalmist says in many places in the Old Testament of idols. Psalm 135, for example, says, You made the thing. You made it. It's got eyes, but it can't see. Ears, but it can't hear. And then it says in verse 18, Those who make them and all who trust in them shall become like them. Wooden, insensate, useless. So is Jacob. And now these two draw near to each other. Father and son, deceived and deceiving, both of them. Coming together under the guise, the pretense of a blessing, they draw near one to another only to curse one another. You see what's happening here? Actually, Isaac intends to exclude Jacob from the blessing. Normally, a blessing would be an open affair, a family occasion. Everybody gathered together, feasting and celebrating, and the father would come and lay his hands on each son and bless each of them. And everybody knows they all share in that blessing. But here, no, out of deception, these two have hidden from others. They hide from each other, even themselves, because Isaac intends to hoard the whole family's blessing, to take it away from Jacob and give it only to Esau. He's cursing Jacob by blessing Esau. And Jacob, now dressed as Esau, comes to betray his father's trust. In that moment of family intimacy, he's not honoring his father, he's destroying him by pulling the blessing he wants to give to the one he loves away from him and consuming it for himself. These two come now to curse one another and to do it with a kiss. Deception always requires us to hide from others and to hide from ourselves. But now, unexpectedly, and with a kind of strange beauty, the music of heaven breaks in. The poetry of God steps in right in the middle of this horrible, Incident. Look at verse 27. So Jacob came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of Jacob's garments and blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. So as the blessing rolls off the lips of this aged man, the reader knows for sure this is not just Isaac's blessing. This is the Lord's blessing on not Esau, but Jacob. And and we're swept heavenward into these words for an instant. And then with a crash, we are returned to the horror and the devastation of the prose in verse 30. The relief is gone, and all of a sudden, Esau comes in, Jacob having disappeared into nothingness. Esau comes back from the field, and he's got a spring in his step and a lilt in his voice because he says, Father, my father, I'm back. And, and, and soon also, I've been successful in the field. Look, and I caught some food, and, 
I'm ready for you to bless me. Come, let me kneel at your bed. Put your hands on my head. And then he hears the horrifying question from Isaac. Who are you? Because in an instant, these two men realize that they've been duped. That their dreams for life and love have come crumbling to a crash. I have already blessed your brother. I have given your blessing to your brother Jacob and blessed he shall be. Then Esau screams, the text tells us, bless me. Bless me also, Father. Do you have only one blessing? And sadly, he does because he meant to give it deceitfully to Esau. He has only one blessing. There's nothing left but a kind of an anti-blessing for Esau. And now every parent, every father understands the pain of Isaac, who desperately loves his child, who knows that he's in trouble, and yet who has nothing whatsoever to offer him. No hope for the one I most love in the world. We're, we're meant to sit with the pain of Isaac. The narrator gives us vivid detail. And we're meant to sit with the pain of Esau, who now knows, twice in my life I've been swindled out of my destiny by that swine brother Jacob. And there's nothing left for me. Zero. The narrator gives it enough time and stress that it's clear to me, at least, he means to win our affections for these two. He means for this story to end in such a way that you and I are absolutely angry at Jacob and Rebecca, and that we're heartbroken over the injustice of this pair. They have our empathy. And now imagine that you're reading this as an Israelite in the ancient world. You hear this story. You're an Israelite. And you, like we, cry out saying, this is not right. God has blessed the wrong guy. He's blessed the wrong guy. He should have blessed Esau. This is unwise. This is not just. This is not fair. This is not good. God blessed the scoundrel. He blessed the deceiver. He blessed the thief. He blessed the betrayer. And then you, Israelites, are recalled to your senses and you say, ah, but that's us. That's exactly who we are. For we in the story are not Esau. That's Edom, another nation. We in the story are Israel. Jacob's name will be changed to Israel and his 12 sons will be its 12 tribes and that's who we are. And we realize that this story is more than about people with mixed motives who are very confused, deceived, and deceiving. This is a story about a great father whose core impulse is grace. This story is located between the story of the patriarchs and the story of Israel because God wants them and us to be very, very clear that deception will never hide you from your Father in heaven. There is no place in life where you and I can get ourselves so lost that our Father in heaven can't find us. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows all the stuff that you and I have done, and yet he is ready to bless you 
deceived and deceiving as you may be. So the psalmist says in Psalm 139, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. He knows you and me, and he is ready to bless us. There is a direct line between this story of Jacob's deception and God's blessing and the blessing of Moses at the very end of the Pentateuch as he stands there with God's people, Israel, on the verge of their promise, the promised land. He blesses them in the book of Deuteronomy and he but first wants them to know that God did not set his heart upon you because you were more numerous than other nations, Deuteronomy 7. And God is not giving you this land because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people, Deuteronomy 9. And there is a direct line between this story of God's blessing and the unsavory crowd that gathers around Jesus of Nazareth. A crowd filled with the likes of prostitutes, Tax collectors, adulterers, lepers, outcasts, religious failures, and thieves. And Jesus blesses them all. He blesses us all. Because there is a direct line from this story to you. And when we raise our hands and our faces heavenward, and we say, Our Father, we look with the eyes of faith into the one who says, I love you, you belong to me, and I intend to bless your life. Our Father is truly the Father who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As Paul writes in Ephesians 1.3, He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter who we are and what we've done, He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's thank him for that blessing. There's not much for us to do, God, but to wonder and to worship. To know that you are God who describes all of life with your grace. And to say, we love you. Thank you for this gift. May we step into the blessed life, because you have given us Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. 
For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.